Greetings and hello to everyone. This is the Business of Betting podcast, and I'm your host, Jake Williams. Today is episode 32, and we have Sally Snow joining the show. Sally has been working in bookmaking since her time at Sydney Racetracks, working for Tom and Bill Waterhouse. Today, she continues to work on the bookmaking side of the TAB. Sally talks about her approach to bookmaking and betting, as well as what she has discovered in her years of working in the industry. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. As always, you can find us at businessofbetting.com or at bettingpod on Twitter. Please fire in any questions or feedback and potential guests you would like to hear from. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Sally Snow. Today, I'm joined by Sally Snow. Sally, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jake. So Sally, let's get into your background a little bit. How did you get involved in, I guess, horse racing and betting? Did you start... Younger, was it in your family? Did you develop it through your teenage years? Can you just take us through, um, I guess, your early days in in, uh, in betting? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my dad has always been in, involved in racing uh, from a very young age. He's His father, my grandfather, was a bookmaker, and my dad is still a bookmaker. So uh, you could definitely say it's, it's in my blood. Uh, he um, introduced me back to the track just after I finished uh, high school. And I started working as a bookmaker's clerk at the races part-time while I was at uh, uni studying a business management degree. Um, and unfortunately, looking back at it now, I, uh, I wish I would have completed it. But at the time, I was uh, studying, as I said, working part-time at the track. And, and, uh, and yeah, I was, I was hooked pretty early on and, um, and knew that that was the path I wanted to take in my career. And I remember sitting in a business ethics lecture uh, on a Wednesday listening to my lecturer explain um, a really boring topic about ethics around how it was it was unethical to uh, steal pens from work in the workforce or something like that. And I, and I just knew that <laughs> that was not where I needed to be. And, uh, and I, I got up and left and I, I never looked back. I actually yeah, started working at the track full time. Um, and, and yeah, ma- and managed to make a career out of it. So, yeah, you could definitely say I was hooked early on. My sisters um, were also clerks at the races, um, but I, I definitely took to the, the betting side of things more seriously. And uh, after working for uh, a bookie called David Baxter, I started working for Tom and Bill Waterhouse out at the races, um, and I did that for about four or five years. And... Uh, that was things when things kind of really changed uh, for me in terms of my involvement in in the industry and embedding and and how seriously I suppose I took it and and how much I wanted to you know be part of it. Um, at the time, Tom and Bill were you know holding more money on track than than any other bookie, and it was just an extremely exhilarating feeling being being out on course and and taking bets and 
hedging bets and, and making a lot of decisions kind of on behalf of Tom and whatnot. But I, I learned a lot um, and, and I knew that, yeah, I wanted to make a career out of it early on. So I want to get to your time with, with Tom and Bill, but before that, as a young person who's involved in racing, whether it's your teenage years or, or as you get a little bit older, when your father's a bookmaker, do you think about things from a bookmaker's perspective or are you out there wanting to bet? Because I, I, I guess myself and a lot of my friends, we went out to the track like most people and, and had no experience or involvement on the bookmaking side at all so we wanted to go out there and have a bet do you do the opposite when you're heavily involved in the bookmaking side no i mean more so now yes because i can see uh how hard it was to or how hard it is to be a punter but but early doors when i was out on track yeah no punting was uh was pretty much the only thing on my mind um i remember having yeah a, a really <laughs> a few bad experiences that, that taught me a lot of lessons on course i remember um I think my dad was at a country meeting one day and uh, Long Row was having its its last start at Randwick and I managed to go out there and I wasn't working. I was having a day out and, uh, and you know, I was kind of getting everyone's tips on the, mo- in the, and on the morning of uh, that race meeting at Randwick and, you know, listening to my dad on the phone to, you know, a series of people that he was speaking to and, you know, he was just declaring this horse, said you couldn't possibly have a bet but it'll just win and I – um. I thought, well, if it just wins, it just wins. So I, um, I think I unloaded pretty much all of my life savings at the time when I was about, yeah, 20, 20 years old or something, and um, and learned a very hard lesson when it when it got rolled. I think at the the dollar twenty. But um, you remember who beat it? Uh, yeah, Grand Army. Okay, yeah, it's one of those things. You remember those losing bets pretty clearly. Um, not all the winning ones. Remember it, yeah, very very clearly. I. I uh, disappeared from from all my friends I was with on the day, and I went up into the stands and watched it by myself. And I uh, I was just I just remember standing there in disbelief and uh, thinking it is going to catch it, it is going to catch it. And um, yeah, Grand Army just bolted ahead, and and um, and Longer I made up a little bit of ground late, but it was it was the race was over pretty much halfway down the straight, and I uh, yeah I died inside. I just stood there and um, <laughs> what am I going to do with myself? Yeah, that's probably a feeling a lot of people have had. So take us through your time when you, when you, I guess when you started with Tom Waterhouse and Bill. What was it like back then? What was the, I guess the experience like at the racetrack? Yeah, well, it was it was fantastic. There was obviously a lot of action back in the day. Um, going back, you know, this would be twelve to fifteen years ago now. Um, about twelve years ago, and yeah, look, there was just a lot of money on course and. Uh, Tom and Bill were, um, were I suppose, a, gr- a great team. I, I learned a lot from them both in the sense that, uh, you know, Tom was probably one of the more shrewder operators that I've ever worked with and and Bill was, you know, completely fe- fearless, uh, you know, as as we all know. He just he just wanted to take on the world. I remember one day when uh, Tom was on holidays and, and I was kind of running the stand for Tom and, um, and had pretty strict instructions but, you know, Bill wanted to tear away my um, my sheet with all the bookies um, contact numbers that I used to bet back with, and uh, yeah, he wanted to to hide it from me so I could just take on people and not hedge any bets. Um, <laughs> he was um, he just wanted to take on the world, but no, I learned a lot from them, and I I, um, I knew yeah very early on that um, there was a lot of kind of traps for young players out on course, and you. 
if you um if you you know it was pretty easy to kind of be taken advantage of if you didn't know what you were doing um but I think also for myself a, a lot of people maybe uh, underestimated my ability based on the fact that I was you know young and and female and I and I managed to kind of get away with a few things that I think uh you know if I was a a younger bloke um I might not have got away with things I remember having a few bets and um I I always used to get a couple of rolls off bookies and um I just yeah use that to my advantage I suppose so how did Tom impact your style the most was it sort of his intellect or his discipline uh, consistency what were some of the things that made him so shrewd and I guess so successful yeah, no, he was definitely uh, definitely consistent in his in, in his approach, but he uh, he had a uh, a great feeling for the market and uh, knew kind of when to take someone on and and when to when to hold back and and knew that um, knew that yeah without going into too many details he had just a great knowledge of yeah the marketplace itself and what it took to to move runners in the marketplace and, um, yeah, and when to, to really take some big stands. I remember back when we were playing uh, a few really, really big punters and, um, and you know, he had a bit of that fearless type of attitude that, that Bill kind of would have instilled in him. But he, um, yeah, he was a, just a really good reader of the marketplace and, um, and, yeah, knew how to kind of manage people as well and manage customers, manage punters. So how has that helped, I guess, today? Do you, because I would imagine the numbers aren't what they were and and things are a little bit different now. Um, Can you still implement a lot of those different techniques and and strategies and I guess the intent behind what Tom and Bill were doing? Yeah, definitely. As much as the money's dried up on course, I'd say that, you know, we're dealing in larger sums of money, you know, now. Um, Now that I'm I'm working at at the tab, um, yeah, no, I'd say that, the, the, the money or the holds are, are definitely greater and a lot of those skills that I learned back in the day and I suppose it's one of those things that you you can't really teach you know you can't go to a, a bookmaking school or or um or or study study bookmaking it's it's one of those things that um yeah as I said it's it's hard to teach and it's it's that uh nous type factor um and I think you know, being exposed or being in the industry for so long, a lot of people just either have it or, or you don't. And it's a really, really hard thing to, you know, instill in, instill in someone who's new to the industry. And I think a lot of the skills that I have now, um, I, I definitely learnt from um, the, the time I spent on course. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I still apply a lot of those kind of foundation things. A lot of just, yeah, not being taken advantage of and, and realise realizing you know what it takes to to move money and um and basically how to operate i think is um you know and when i say operate using all the the intelligence of the marketplace to to make kind of informed decisions the betfair exchange isn't a house that sets the odds it's betting at its purest one punter's opinion against another's play the game within the game at betfair.com.au gamble responsibly so how important do you think looking back, I guess spending at least some time at university was and delving into sort of the business side at university and understanding, I guess you probably did finance and economics classes and things like that. You mentioned the wonderful ethics classes that you did, but how useful or valuable is that or how necessary is it? Can you uh, treat it like an apprenticeship and a trade in a sense where you spend hours and hours and I know there's 
some thoughts out there that you, to be an expert, you've got to spend 10,000 hours doing something. Is bookmaking in your mind in that sort of vein where you just have to spend hours and hours churning it out, taking bets, have winning days, losing days, and um, I guess every day is probably different no matter what, and you've just got to spend the time doing it? Yeah, for sure. You know, the more races that you look at and watch and, you know, see through right from, you know, when prices are enabled or, or go up early, whether it's, you know, the day before or four days before and and watch how that market evolves all the way through to, to jump time. You know, the more of those type of races that you can look at and view and look at how the market flows and, and read into that, the more experience you're going to have at, at better reading those markets. It's um yeah it, it I think it is a lot of um, doing the same over and over again and and trying to learn from your mistakes and and understand why things moved the way they did and and apply that to you know the next race that that you approach but you know I do wish that I would have completed my degree and I I do think that I'll when my uh, kids go back to school go and and go back and complete it I think it's good to you know going to university I don't think I I would have necessarily picked up a whole lot of skills that I could um, apply to my current role I think I definitely got a lot more through my experience than I than I would so have at uni but I think you know there's something to be said about you know applying yourself and committing yourself to something over you know three years or four years um, and you know in my current role now if I wanted to progress into you know like a, a general manager type um type role then I think you know it's not necessarily a degree it's not necessarily something that's going to get me the job over someone else but it, it, I suppose it's more a, a personal kind of satisfaction that I'd like to kind of tick that box and you know say that I've done it and and you know basically finish something that I started but I do think that in terms of the skill set I think I'd picked up more from you know the time I spent on course and and the exposure that I've had you know through tab corp um, than you know what I learned at uni. Sure. So how do you approach bookmaking and I guess what is your intent or strategy when it comes to, to bookmaking? Are you looking at it purely race by race or are you thinking about it over a, a race day, maybe a Saturday meeting or are you thinking even longer term sort of a whole season or a whole carnival? Can you just give us an insight into your mindset? Yeah, sure. So I think consistency is, is definitely key and uh, I think you've got to treat every race completely separate. Um, obviously, there's certain strategies that we might apply to uh, carnival periods, but from my individual perspective, um, you know, doing the form for me was was never really my thing. I was always surrounded by um, people that were, you know, really good at doing the form and put a lot of hours into it. So even kind of growing up and then after, you know, meeting my husband, who's a, a punter now, um, and then you take my father, for example, both of them, you know, specialise in a certain state and 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 spend a lot of hours doing the form. So I never really um, saw the importance in me going ahead and, you know, spending hours doing it myself when I was able to, you know, access um, a lot of good information based on people who were successful at it and, and you know, produced a lot, of, uh, a lot of good work out of it. So my approach to bookmaking is more you know, using uh, information and market intelligence and and literally applying that to each race completely separately um, uh, versus a, a longer-term kind of strategy. I think if you apply uh, apply yourself to a race-to-race race and try and remain consistent, um, 
you know, that's that's going to be better for you long term. Was there any exceptions and maybe even sort of 10 years ago on track when you had these enormous punters that potentially, you know, can put you out of business with a big day or a big week or a big month? Um, did you play them sort of person to person or man for man for want of a better term so you could, I guess, you know, play a little cat and mouse and, and think about things a little bit differently or was it always simply about your book for that race and how you wanted to approach it and you kept it ultra consistent? No, definitely. When it comes to customers, um, you've got to you've got to play the man um, or the woman. Um, you've got to be able to, you know, have um, you know have a consistent, I suppose, way that you approach it. But you know, if a, a customer wants to to bet in a certain manner, you've got to be agile enough to make decisions to to you know take on those bets. There's obviously always going to be you know, thresholds and, and ceiling limits. But um, but definitely you've got to be able to, again, use that, that nous, I suppose, to make a decision of, you know, when to relax some of those limits that you might have had for a consistent, I suppose, race-to-race basis and, um, and, you know, when to tighten them up. Um, so that definitely, you know, you've got to be agile in your approach there when it comes to playing customers who throughout the day have different betting patterns. You mentioned that you know market intelligence is, is really important. Um, maybe your most important strength wasn't doing the form, but it was sort of seeing the fluctuations and watching things and, and placing value on different, I guess, pieces of information. How do you go about doing that? Do you absorb absolutely everything? Are you on you know social media? Are you getting information from the track? Are you speaking to people that are looking at horses, how does that actually play out? Because most people prob- probably haven't been behind the counter at a bookmaker or, or understand necessarily. But from your perspective, and maybe you can't share everything or don't want to share everything, but what are some of the things that you can use to sort of put all the pieces together? Well, a lot of the information that I'm looking at is, uh, is public information. Um, so, you know, whilst I might have, you know, tools that are a little bit more advanced than, than someone would, you know, out in the public, it, it, it pretty much all is there. Um, I definitely think, you know, market intelligence is the most, you know, important factor in, in how I approach things. Uh, if you look at, you know, the the SP of a, of a market, you'd say that's, you know, it's, it's the most pure. Um, and you're going to have a big, big head start and in the game if you can you know, try and figure out where a market is going to, you know, SP. So in the lead up to a race, say you might um, have, you know, most most bookmakers betting, you know, 125 to 130%. If you can work out, you know, where that 15% is going to get shaved off uh, and work out which runners are going to SP what, it's a, it's a big head start. And to do that, um, you've got to look at a number of things, uh, but, but all the kind of pieces of the puzzle, you know, lie within the market. So it's obviously the fluctuations. Um, it's, yes, the use of, you know, customer information and, and intelligence, but it's also the exchanges, um, you know, the, the totes and how they play into the market, um, especially late in betting. Um, and it's, look, you can go into a, a race meeting and then start, you know, incorporating uh, track bias and, you um, and so forth as well. So it's a lot of pieces of um, a very big puzzle and you've got to, I suppose, give certain weightings to certain factors um, and, and piece it all together and then 
you know, try and figure out or anticipate, um, you know, w- what run is going to start what. And and if you can, you know, get halfway there, um, I think it's a, a big start in um, in being not only a successful bookie, but, but you could also apply the same skills to, to punting. Let's talk price. Unlike bookies and totes, the Betfair Exchange is a low-margin, buy-sell, fixed-odds marketplace where the value stays with the punter, not the house. Ready for the game within the game? Join betfair.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Do you have any opinion on where it's sort of heading? I guess maybe in terms of Sydney racing with regards to, to totes and fixed odds. I know you see, or I certainly see, you know, Hong Kong or Japan or some of these places and how they do it in terms of their betting structure. Um, is it going to be a combination of both moving forward, do you think? Yeah, I think that'll likely to be the case. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of talk at the moment about a, a, a global tote pool, which, um, you know, which could be on the horizon. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, I think the future for for bookmaking in New South Wales is, uh, yeah, I think they'll likely always be, be the two. But in terms of corporate competition, I suppose, I think there's going to be always a, a very strong competition, but I think there'll be less less players I think in the marketplace with you know a few of the the bigger entities merging obviously Tabcorp and um and and Tats have obviously merged to just recently to create you know one of the biggest gambling and entertainment companies globally so I I think you know on the horizon that might um we might see that you know the market consolidate um even further um but I think We've got to continue to look at, you know, new ways to um, invigorate the tote and 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 invigorate turnover and attract, you know, the, the new generation and um, and younger punters to the industry. Um, I think Racing New South Wales have done a great job, obviously, with the Everest and you know, creating the hype and and um, the success that they did off one race after one year was, I think, tremendous and. And yeah, I think that's what we've got to continue to do is look for for new ways to to operate. I think if you look at the moment, the whole kind of corporate landscape is a little bit a little bit the same same. I think uh, it seems like everyone's holding hands together and 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 operating exactly the same way. Uh, so I suppose that's where you know my role's changed in the last couple of years, and rather than you know focusing on, you know, bookmaking and, and risk management, which, you know, there's still obviously a very big element of, of that, but, you know, we've employed a lot of quant traders and, um, and analysts to, to create modelling. So that's definitely not, I suppose, the, the biggest makeup of my role. I've got to think more about how we, you know, take our brand into the future and, and how we kind of create new products and, and new ways for, for people to, became, to become sorry, in, in, engaged with, uh, with the industry and engaged with thoroughbred racing um, in all states, not only in New South Wales. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but I think that's where it's, where it's all headed. No, that makes sense. And, and what about, uh, you mentioned earlier you had a list of names of people that you would bet back with. Um, what role do you think exchanges or an exchange could play moving forward is it just one of those things that it's more tailored to professionals uh and obviously professional horse racing traders that want to you know trade on a lot of races and have a lot of volume or is there a a further i guess component to not just totes and fixed odds betting but we can have a vibrant exchange culture in in horse racing 
Yeah, I don't think um, just firstly, like in terms of hedging and so forth, I think that was definitely a, a big part of like the on-course um, the on-course experience. I wouldn't say that you know hedging bets and betting back is something that we um, we see a lot of you know nowadays. Um, I think it's more about yeah managing the risk within rather than 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 looking to hedge. But the exchanges themselves, I don't know if they've you know taken off in the way in Australia that they that they did in the the UK. I think uh, just in the last couple of years, it's uh, I think it's become a little bit weaker. I'd say uh, we've we've done a few you know new things and looking at a few different strategies about you know the the focus on the exchanges itself and and yeah I, I personally just think they're they're weaker than the perception out there that that you know the exchange is everything and the exchange is the price I, I tend to, to disagree with that I think the you know the the focus and the the most pure price is where you know the majority of the money is and, I, and I'd argue that, that you know that sits with the tab um, and that um, you know the strength of the marketplace is yeah is is where the turnover is so yeah, I see the exchanges always being there and, and being a key factor, I suppose. But I, I think they're becoming um, becoming weaker in in the current landscape when it comes to thoroughbred racing. So was it was it I guess more of a factor in the past years? I know a lot of people I've spoken to have said things like, "Look, you, you watch Betfair and your your mind blows up. You don't know what's necessarily going to happen, or you can't explain things, and you spend hours." trying to figure out and sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing is it just another piece of market intelligence that you have to interpret and decide if it's noise or if it's it's valid yeah you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, professionals obviously that use the exchange and and because they use the exchange I, th- I suppose that's where you've got to be you know wary of um of how the exchange works and how it can be manipulated and and how to read you know what might be a dummy and what might be a you know a one goer. Um, it's yeah, it, it's a factor, but I think it's becoming less of a factor as 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 time goes on. So it's it's not something that you'd you'd hold your hat on and say that you know you've um you've got to be trying to take the the best price on the exchange or the exchange is where the market is. I think that's yeah, it, it's becoming um yeah less about about the exchange and more about the um the marketplace and i'd say the marketplace yeah is the tab fix odds price interesting so i want to look forward a little bit and you mentioned you you know the quants and the quant traders you've got obviously we're in a sort of information age and that sort of impacted wagering as well there's so much out there where do you see all that heading i guess for those who aren't you know deeply involved or in the back office and, and don't see it you hear about you know ai and, and machine learning and all this sort of stuff where does it seem to be heading from your perspective as a, I guess, a participant in Sydney racing? Well, I think, you know, it's no um, no surprise that, that, you know, automation and technology has not only been rolled out in, in our industry, but, you know, across the entire world in in all fields. So, you know, that's the reality, but it, it's combining the, the two, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, you know, what automation does is creates, you know, more consistency in approaches. So, I think that can only be a good thing in terms of your longevity in in a you know successful model. But I think you definitely need to be able to combine the both. Um, you know what weighting you give to to each is is probably up to um, 
up to you. But yeah, I don't think you can completely expect, uh, you know, a computer or a robot or, or automation to, to take over, um, take over our industry completely. It's it's there's too many intri- intricacies, I suppose, within um, and and as I said, there'll always be too many traps that um, you know. Look, one day you know a robot might be able to pick up on it, but certainly I don't think in the next uh, five years we're still going to, you know, we're still going to need the you know feel and and nous of of people that you know know what they're looking at and um, and have that uh, talent for doing so to to simply add the value on top of. Um, on top of the technology and on top of the automation, I think it's it's uh, it's key to, to anyone's success on the on the punting side and on the, the bookmaking side. I want to ask you about being a woman in this industry, and I'm loath to ask, but you're probably one of the best people to talk to about it. What are some of the things, or what what sort of advice can you give to women who are interested in betting or, or bookmaking and want to get involved? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I suppose you you don't even really need the the interest early on you need the kind of exposure um i think it's a that's the one thing i suppose i'd love to change about the industry is is uh is create a, a better pathway for females to to gain exposure to, to you know how good it is really and um and how much fun it is i think there's a lot of you know really smart intelligent females that you know might be studying commerce and and finance that you know think a, a direct path out of a degree like that is is straight into you know a finance or a banking type role um but essentially you know we do uh, the same similar thing here and look at numbers all day we just get to watch races and and a lot of sport on top um so yeah i think creating a pathway and and making sure that we're giving exposure to to people um, about our industry and about you know this this type of field is important. I think that's that means going out to to universities and creating more opportunities. We've we've currently actually got four interns here at Tubcorp at the moment that are um, you know have a range of degrees and backgrounds, but around stats and uh, and finance and commerce and um, you know they're paid interns here at the moment and and working on modelling. I think two of them being females. Um, I think doing more of that um, and gaining that exposure to people and and uh, and creating those opportunities are really important because yeah it, it's such a, a great industry and 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 so much fun to be a part of. I remember I loved working on course, but I ended up getting the role uh, at Tabcorp. I started in a marketing role with uh, Glenn Lee, who actually still is at Tabcorp, um, and I got the role through a friend of mine, Mark Ryman, who. Um, who I met on course and even though I started off in a in a marketing role I knew it was never really something that I wanted to do I, I was desperate to kind of be across on the other side where all the the bookmakers were and um I remember Sean Byrne actually I think you've interviewed, have you interviewed yeah he was Sean the Byrne? very first a very good man Sean yeah the first one yeah 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 top bloke he um he gave me my I suppose first start when I when Luxbet first um first uh started off in 2008 and um and yeah gave me my first opportunity to to uh be exposed to that bookmaking inside bookmaking side of things and to be honest like I, my time spent on course you know I was really I was a clerk I wasn't a bookie I was learning a lot but um it wasn't until I kind of you know got that start from Sean and um and was sitting there kind of you know taking the bets myself and making decisions you know yeah it wasn't my money but 
uh, I certainly, you know, wrote it like it was. And, um, and I learned a lot from, from those people. So I think it's all about, you know, getting that first kind of foot in the door type scenario and getting that exposure. And I think a lot of females might think that, you know, they don't know enough. Typically females underestimate their abilities, but I think, um, if you can kind of get that foot in the door and, and gain exposure through, you know, um, the people around you. And I was really lucky to have, you know, some really good managers in the past who, you know, taught me a lot, um, you know, Sean being one of them. But I think a lot of, you know, my experiences and skill set have been, you know, on the job training. I don't think it's something that I necessarily knew before I started. It was just something that I, I picked up. I remember, you know, my managers in the past have always kind of forced me to, make decisions for myself and you really learn from those type of mistakes. I remember back in the day early on when I first started off and we had like a um, a price, external price assessor who um, provided like a set of prices for us to, to work off and I remember falling into the biggest trap of all time when I, um, you know, the, the price or the rating for this particular runner might have been, you know, 50s. It was definitely a roughie and I um, – and I absolutely gaffed it because I was just, I was holding, you know, too strong or too, I was too aligned to this external price. Um, and um, it was a Mark Cavanaugh first starter. And I remember just absolutely gaffing. It was like 20s into, you know, um, four to one or something like that. And, uh, and yeah, definitely learned the hard way that um, I needed to, you know, not hold 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 on to you know a single point and and that's where I kind of picked up that I've got to use all those different pieces of information to to make decisions and not just you know hold on to one but I think um yeah just you you pick all that stuff up by um you know by learning and by you know by trading and by watching races and and uh and yeah you never stop learning I mean I'm in a very different role now to what I was when I first started and you know now I'm lucky enough to to manage a, a larger team of uh, thoroughbred traders who, you know, I'd definitely say that I, um, I learn a lot from, you know, even now. I think some of the best non-professional um, punters, you know, probably sit within, you know, these four walls at, at, at Tabcorp and I'm lucky enough to, to work with those people every day. People like uh, Peter Todd, who I'm not sure if you know the name, but he was a, a, a bookmaker back in the day around the, the time my dad was on course and, um, and, you know, he's now doing, you know, form on New South Wales racing and and I get to be exposed to all these people who, you know, have a very different view on um, on how to be successful in the game but all have a very, you know, different skill set and some are great traders and some are great, you know, form analysts and, um, and you've got to just keep on learning from people and, and um, keep watching races and you can definitely um, – you know, aspire to, to be successful without kind of knowing a whole lot before you enter the door. I think you've just got to have a will and a passion to to love what you do and apply yourself and um, and keep learning because I don't think there's there's one person in the game that would say that they, uh, you know, have the keys to the kingdom. It's, um, it's definitely a, a learning experience and you've got to be agile enough to, to change up, uh, you know, the way that you do things and, and evolve. Um, as a punter and as a bookmaker, um, as as time goes on, because it is changing at a rapid pace. It's a very good response. What about on the product side? And is it a myth that we need to start creating products for women or start thinking about that? Um, 
you know, do you already do that? Do you think about if there's any concepts or approaches or bet types or whatever it might be um, that would be better suited, or is that just a, a naive myth that men think about? Yeah, I'd say that's a naive myth that that men think about. Um, what were you suggesting that we, you know, create like a pink website or something for girls and and make it all kind of fluffy and? That's what us naive men would say, but I, I a lot of people ask, you know. Or I asked them honestly, like what you know, what sort of percentage are male versus female? And sadly, the joking answer is all the female accounts are probably bowler accounts. And you know, they ask similar questions: what can be done, or what should be done, or how can it be approached, and things like that, from a you know female perspective. And I think it sounds like the overwhelming response is that education, uh, just like anyone who maybe active or involved or might want to get involved you know you just got to start getting them involved and educating them on different things and building up their acumen and then it'll take care of himself whether it's male female australian english you know american indian whatever it is it's irrelevant for the most part yeah no i think the worst thing you could do is uh try and um you know offer a, a different product suite to you know a female audience to try and get them engaged in the sport it um not only kind of downplays, you know, females' intelligence, but it, it, uh, you know, we're not we're not different. We're just we're just not um, exposed, I suppose, uh, to to betting. Um, I know I love it, uh, but yeah, no, the I, I definitely wouldn't be attracted to a different product suite that was, um, you know, targeted at females. I think it's just an education and an exposure piece versus being. Uh, being treated every different, any different to, to a normal customer. I, I think, uh, yeah, that's where the, the stigma lies, I suppose, in, in men assuming that you, you need to, to do something different. There's a lot of intelligent women out there who I think, uh, you know, are successful at the game and and uh, have a lot of value to add. It's just how do we breed that, that new generation and, and gain that exposure for them. And I think, yeah, doing so through, you know, universities and, and – uh, and, you know, it's a shame because I think on course is, is not like it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I started out and, and got that great pathway. But I think, uh, you know, there's definitely other ways rather than um, than doing kind of targeted campaigns or targeted promotions. It's it's all about education and exposure and um, and creating an environment where they, they know it's, uh, you know, that they can apply their skill set. So there's, you know, not, not the age-old myth where, People think that you know bookies are all you know seventy to eighty year old men with uh, bags around their shoulders. It's a um, it's a sport where you know females can enter it and and be successful. Yeah, and it sounds like based on what you've described, it is a dynamic and interesting uh, a job, for want of a better word, a passion. Those type of things are important, and it can be something that can be improved. And obviously, from a punting perspective, there's a lot of if you go to Flemington during the carnival, I'm sure it's the same in, in Randwick and Rose Hill. It's not just men there. So from that education piece, converting, you know, party goers, for want of a better term, to uh, to those interested in racing sh- should be one of the uh, main perspectives. I'm very grateful for your time, Sally. Before I let you go, I just wanted to uh, – you're on Twitter, right? Can you give those who are interested in, in following you and what you're up to uh, your Twitter address? I think it's uh, I think it's as simple as uh, at Sally Snow. 
maybe with an underscore, but I think it's at Sally Snow. There you go. I'll uh, I'll make sure there's a link to it, so if anyone is um, interested, they can give you a follow on Twitter and see what you're up to. Thank you very much, Sally. I really appreciate your time, and uh, it's great to chat. Thanks, Jake. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and please support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Gamble responsibly.